May the Lord richly bless you today. You all are sounding well, looking well. Please allow me to take a moment and welcome our online audience today. We are so thankful that you are joining us this morning, wherever you're joining us from. I pray that you feel the presence of the Lord where you are today. As Pastor Jade mentioned, immediately following service this morning, uh, we will be going to the river, love the river. When you go there for baptizing men and women, making a public uh, commitment, a confession that Jesus is Lord of their life. So we're excited about that. Encourage all of you to go and join us in doing so. Uh, it's an honor to have my much elder brother and his lovely wife in the house with us this morning. And, uh, and uh, I was concerned about him a couple days ago because he had a birthday two days ago, I believe it was. And I texted him, happy birthday, he got no response. I called him, got no response. Later that evening, he said, did you call? I said, yeah, I thought I was going to have to send somebody. I said, obviously, when you get 72, you no longer can use a phone. So if anybody's got an extra jitterbug phone, <laughs> that louder rings and bigger writing, uh, I could use that so to assist my elderly brother. Uh, but uh, we're so thankful that they're in the house this morning. And uh, I honor them uh, for their years of service and their dedication uh, to the people of God. They have unselfishly given of themselves, and uh, we are so, so thankful. And they're not done yet. They're just, they're still plugging and going on, and God is going to, I believe, in this season, going to, let them experience some great, great things. So it's an honor to have him this morning with us. And I will maybe let him come and greet you at the end of our message today and have him pray over us uh, and for us at the end of our message today. Uh, those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time. And I'm just going to jump right into the word this morning as they're exiting the sanctuary. Those of you that are with us today, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, and I pray that you do, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Exodus chapter number 24. Exodus chapter number 24, I will be there in just a moment. Uh, last Sunday, uh, we launched a sermon series. I'm not a big sermon series preacher, as I shared with you last week, but uh, this is something that... Uh, the Lord has really birthed in, in my spirit over the last little while, and I've, I felt released in my spirit to share this over the next few weeks. And uh, so with the help of the Lord, we're going to do that. And, but this morning, we're going to continue the series of preparing to take the lead. There is men and women in this room today. I'm not focused on your age. Uh, I don't care if you're 21, like Cameron is today. Happy birthday. Uh, 22? Okay, I was misinformed, I think, so that's all right. Uh, you'd be celebrating if it was 21 because you don't want to get older. Look, look at Phil, that's what happens. And uh, so, but uh, in Deuteronomy 3.28, I, I gave this verse to you last week, and I want to give it to you again uh, because Moses receives the charge, uh, and it says this, it says, uh, Moses, I want you to charge Joshua, and I want you to encourage him, and I want you to strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land 
which thou shalt see. And what he was simply telling him was, you have a responsibility to give him vision, give him the charge, but also to encourage him and to strengthen him because there is a day where he is going to begin to lead this body of people. As I shared with you previously, and I'm getting a roar out of my monitor. If you can take my monitor down just a little bit, Keaton, thank you. Uh, we find that when we look around the sanctuary today, uh, men such as Irvin Steele and Brother Dalton and many, many others that we could mention, they are no longer with us uh, in the house of the Lord. They ran their race. They finished well. But now you and I are, as I shared with you last week as well, there's an elderly individual looking back at you in the mirror. And with that means seasons have changed and responsibilities has changed. And now we are to be the leaders of this thing called faith. And in our culture, it has become commonplace for men and women to simply have this mindset, just let somebody else do it. I'm busy. I'm already engaged in other areas. And if we're not careful, we walk through life without taking the responsibility of being spiritual leaders seriously. And while I know that I'm speaking to the laity of the church, I must remind us this morning that all of us, somebody say all of us, are ambassadors for the kingdom. It's not about titles, it's not about position, but it's about understanding that you and I are men and women that are to be ambassadors for the kingdom. And last week we dealt with the preparation to lead, talking about standing in the doorway of new promises and looking at what Joshua learned in his years of following Moses, is that he understood that when he was fighting with the war of the Amalekites, that it wasn't about how powerful and how much strength he had and how much skill he had, because his skill did not change and his physical strength did not change uh, from moment to moment in the battle with the Amalekites. But when Moses' hands was lifted and his palms was upward and he was in a place of intercession on top of the mountain, Joshua and the men of war was victorious. But the moment that intercession was cut off, is the moment they began to be ran back by the enemy. So as we shared last week, and I could reteach that this morning because it's still burning in my spirit, we must never forget the power of intercession. You and I will never get good enough, we'll never become spiritual enough, we'll never become powerful enough to do it in ourselves. Now I believe in 
applying ourselves and becoming the best that we can and sharpening our skills and all of those things. But if that's all we have, then we will fall prey to our adversary. But this morning, if we can ever get a people to come back to a place of intercession, if we can ever get a people to come back to a place where they understand the value of a bowed knee, it will change the landscape of history and we will experience once again an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and fire like they did at the day of Pentecost. But this morning, I want to continue to take you on this development journey of Joshua. And we find that there is great value in understanding just how important it is to have your brother and your sister with you. And for a few moments today, I want to deal with the value of the locked arms, uh, learning the mystery of communion. You know, you all make me nervous as a pastor sometimes that 1028 this morning, I looked at my security cameras in my office and none of you was here. But a miracle happened. 1032, I walk out and you all are here. God still teleporting people is all I know. What I'm saying is this, we have become so busy doing all sorts of things, and I'm not against those things that you're doing, but they have taken us away from the sense of community and family. Let me ask you, I'm going to get your stuff this morning before I get to my message. When was the last time you picked up the phone and had your brother or your sister, biologically family, over for dinner, a little long, a man or a woman of faith, over for dinner. Oh, I don't have time for that preacher. You know, that is the trickery of the enemy because when you're isolated, when you're all by yourself, you're a little bit easier to be overpowered and overwhelmed. But some things have not changed in the midst of a changing world, and that is this. One can put a 1,000, but two can put 10,000. The mystery of communion. You see, today, we find that Joshua was taught a very valuable lesson. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But right after the battle of the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17, if you was to read through Exodus chapter 18, you will find that Moses, who was leading God's people, gets reconnected with his father-in-law and he begins to give him an update on everything that had been happening and how God had delivered and how God was doing some great and wonderful things. And, and his father-in-law said, surely now I know that your God is the one true God. And he'd spent some time with him. But then the next morning, he looks out and he saw Moses get up very early. And he sat before the people from the morning time till the evening time. And what's so important is he saw him sitting there alone. And he heard the people's cares all day long. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read that chapter this morning. But he begins to have a conversation with him afterwards. And he says this, I'll use normal language today for us. 
what in the world are you doing, son? He said, this thing is too big and too heavy for you. You're going to wear yourself out. He said, you need to pick you some well-abled men to begin to hear of these things and delegate some things because this thing's bigger than you. And God used Moses' father-in-law. And after he had that conversation, you'll find that it says that Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And we find that it was a lesson that Moses learned. And he realized this, I can't do it by myself. Now, it's one thing to be told that, but it's another thing to see it in action. And when you get to Exodus chapter number 24, I'm going to read a few verses and we'll get started this morning. In Exodus chapter 24, beginning in verse number 1, we find the following. It says, And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. Then verse number 9. It says, And then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the seventy elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand. Also they saw God and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mountain and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her, they are with you. And if any man have any matters to do, let them come unto them. And Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord abode upon the Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days and the seventh day. He called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and it took him up into the mountain, and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. All I can say about this passage of Scripture is what a sight that must have been. But we want to dive into it for a few moments this morning. After Moses is received correction from his father-in-law in chapter number 18, we now find that God has given him instructions to take a few appointed people along with 70 elders into the mountain of God. And as they are there, we find that they began to have an encounter with the Lord. As God invited 70 elders and these specific list of leaders to the mountain to worship him, notice it was for a specific thing and a specific reason. 
It was for a time of corporate reverence. It was a time of worship. It was a time for them to have an encounter of holy communion with God himself. We know that the 70 elders and Aaron and her, they was not invited to go up into the mountain uh, with Moses, but they went partway up and we only can speculate, but only God, Moses, and Joshua knows just how far Joshua went up with him. However, we know that something unique began to happen. It's unprecedented in human history. God passed by before these men, and they beheld the brightness that seemed like the sun. And the mystery in this event is not simply that they gazed upon the path of God and that they stood before a striking brightness or illumination of the heavenlies. But the shocking part of this passage of scripture to me was their response that they had. They were called there to worship and worship they did. But yet the text also reveals to us that they saw God. But then they did eat and drink. Most places when you find that someone saw God or was in his presence, they fell prostrate before the Lord. But in this place, we find that they did eat and drink. And what a response. God came and they had a banquet together. Can I tell you there's something about being together? There's something about when men and women come to a place where they are no longer long rangers, but they come to a place of not just committed to God, but committed to one another. And Joshua was getting ready to take the lead, and Moses was going to come to the end. But before Joshua could ever transition into leadership, please hear me, uh, he had to first learn the value of communing together. At a certain time in this meal, however, God instructed Moses to come up before him. And we find that when he did, that Joshua went with him. And as they did this, we find that Joshua was impacted greatly because he saw that now in a very unique setting in the top of a mountain that 70 elders along with Aaron and her and himself and Moses, uh, there is a sense of community uh, and all of a sudden the power and the anointing of God is displayed like they had never known before. Yes, they had saw the Red Sea part. Yes, they had saw the hand and the provision of God in these 50 days uh, that they had been traveling from Egypt. But they had never saw it in this manner before. Can I tell you this morning? You can say this morning and testify that I have seen the goodness of God. Uh, you can testify this morning that I have experienced the presence of God. And that's wonderful. And I will not discount that at all. But can I tell you uh, that there is something 
something greater uh, that you and I can experience in this hour and in this season uh, if we would learn what Joshua learned uh, at this moment in this mountain and that is this. Uh, there is a release of the presence of God uh, that is greater and powerful, uh, more powerful when people come together in an attitude of worship. Uh, this morning, uh, this is not about feel-good things. This is not about goosebumps, uh, but this is about understanding you and I uh, have an opportunity uh, to get to a place where we too can see God uh, not just in a limited manner uh, but in his fullness uh, and in his glory uh, but we will never do that when we walk our own way uh, but we will do that when we come together much like Moses uh, and Joshua and the elders did at this time uh, you say preacher is it really that important notice with me uh, Joshua has been taught and groomed to become a leader. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm not trying to get you excited. Uh, I'm not trying to get you to a place where you feel Holy Ghost goosebumps this morning. If you feel them, great. Uh, but listen, uh, my task this morning uh, and for the next few weeks uh, is to get you to a place where you are prepared uh, to be the leader that God has called you to be uh, in the year 2022. Uh, listen, uh, let's talk about the stories of yesterday. Uh, let's celebrate the revivals of Brownsville and Toronto and other places. Uh, but what about right now? Uh, we don't need to talk about a re revival of 20 years ago uh, because this morning uh, while we're sitting in the luxuries that God has given us, uh, there is a generation that's dying and going to hell. Uh, there's a generation this morning uh, that doesn't want to get out of bed. Uh, there's 10 year olds and 8 year olds that says life's not worth living. Uh, but this morning, uh, you and I have the goodness of God, the grace of God, and the power of God in our lives, uh, but we don't have time. Uh, listen, uh, somebody's got to step up and lead, uh, but you can't lead by yourself. Uh, you need me and I need you. Uh, we are members of the same body. Uh, can I tell you I'm thankful that my hand is able to do what it does, uh, but my hand is limited uh, unless I have my legs to move me about to where I need to be. Uh, listen, uh, I don't know what the world is telling you, uh, but I come to tell you, uh, I'm glad you're not me. Uh, I'm glad you don't talk like me, look like me, and act like me, uh, because the world only needs me uh, to be me. Uh, but I need you to be you, uh, because when you and I come together uh, in the spirit of unity, uh, and we get in the presence of God, uh, and we get along with him, uh, and we lock arms, something changes in the atmosphere. We find this morning, I thought I was going to teach, and here I am preaching. I'm messing myself all up. We find today that Romans chapter 12, verse number 4, says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we've been many members are one body in Christ, and everyone one members one of another. I've got to bring you some revelation this morning, whether you may not like this or not, but, but it's true. If you're under the sound of my voice today and you say that I'm born again, I'm a child of God, that means you're connected to me. That means me and you are part of the same body. 
Lord, help us, Jesus. Now, the world may say that's one messed up looking body, but God knows what he's doing. Hear me. You and I today must understand that having then gifts differs according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the appropriation of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministry, and are he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with, care, with cheerfulness, let love be present. Please hear me this morning. It doesn't stop there. Hebrews chapter 10, 22 through 25, it says these words, let us draw near with a true heart. Hear me, no selfish motives, no big eyes, no little use, but let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We would be foolish this morning to simply say that the day is not approaching, but the day is drawing near. And I must remind you that in Scripture it says that We are to work while it's day because there comes a time when no man will be able to work. This passage not only shows Joshua the importance of community and the value of locking arms. But notice, it also paints a very clear picture in his mind that, listen, you can never do it alone. I understand we're private people. and I understand we don't want everybody in every area of our lives. I, that, that's me too. But when it comes to this thing called faith, you hear me. We need one another. We got to do life together. Here I am being serious today and preparing and praying and Debbie's uncle sent me a message this morning, and I never know what I'm going to get from him. He's just one of those guys. But he sent me a little story, and you may have heard it, but I thought, Lord, help us, Jesus. But he said it was in McDonald's the other day, and there was an older couple sitting there, and they watched him, and he took his little cheeseburger and ripped it in half, and then he took his little french fries and separated them pile in front of his wife and pile in front of his and they had a little coke and they sat there and there was some young folks sitting there and they felt sorry and one of the young lads walked over and said could I buy you another meal and they said no we just we're good we just share everything left it at that and I'm so it began to disturb him a little more because he saw this taking a sip of his drink from time to time and she was doing the same and he was eating and she was just sitting there and he came back over and he said I can't get you something and he looked up and said love it's okay we just share everything so face 
By this time, this young man is disturbed. Not ate anything. She said, Now hear me. <laughs> now, me and you are never going to get that close. All right? <laughs> it's not happening. But you hear this preacher this morning. There's value in locked arms. Joshua found himself in a place where he knew that, man, I can't do this by myself. And this morning, the task before you and I, we can't do it by ourselves. Let me continue this morning. This orchestration by God at Mount Sinai did not just bring a validation to the authority of God's word and commandments that was given to Moses. It did not just bring it in a form where there was no doubt that they came from God, but it also provided a sense of community to the elders that day where they could come together and feast and worship. And that's why I say today, leaders need to lock arms with leaders. You and I are not called to be supermen, but we are called to be faithful men. We need each other, and we must grow together. And while it is important for us to worship by ourselves, it is also equally important for us to learn how to worship corporately. Deuteronomy 32 and 30, I alluded to it just a moment ago. How should one chase a thousand and two, put 10,000 to flight, except their rock have them? Please hear me. You say, is it really important for us to be men and women that lead, but lead with the spirit of unity? I cannot overstate the importance of it. I have preached a message from this passage I'm getting ready to give you. If you remember it, great. If you don't remember it, shame on you, but that's another time. But Psalms 133, verse number one and the following. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment up on the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that was ascended upon the mountains of Zion. For there, somebody say there, the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Here's what I want you to understand this morning, that there is a commanded blessing 
when unity is present. Doesn't matter how dark the world comes. Doesn't matter how much evil is present. Doesn't matter how much opposition you're faced with. If you and I are together for locked arm as leaders this morning in the faith, we have a commanded blessing that is bestowed upon us. And that means this, the enemy does not have the ability to stop what God desires to do in our lives and in our presence. So this morning, let us not keep our focus on all of the evil, uh, but let us get our focus back on what God's word says. Uh, as he was developing Joshua, he said, Joshua, yes, you got to understand the power of intercession. Uh, but Joshua, you also in this process, of training, you have to understand uh, that the value of locked arms cannot be overstated because if you lock arms with somebody, uh, then there's unity. And if there's unity, uh, there is a commanded blessing uh, that doesn't just hit part of you, uh, but notice it hits the whole body. Uh, it went from Aaron's head to the skirt, uh, the hem of his skirt, meaning this, the whole body is covered uh, with the blessing. Uh, I want to tell somebody this morning, uh, that the enemy's trying to keep the church all divided uh, by doing all kinds of stuff. Not that anybody's fighting with anyone, no. Uh, but we're all just divided doing our own thing uh, because we're busy there, busy there, busy there, busy there. Uh, and the church is, is just scattered. Uh, but we come in uh, for an hour and a half, two hours uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, and then we want the blessings of God to come down. I'm thankful for his presence. Uh, but there can never be a fullness of his glory. Uh, there can never be a sapphire stone road under our feet uh, until somebody uh, locks arms with somebody else and then they lock arms with somebody else uh, and when you get a group of people that's in a place uh, of worship uh, that's sitting down in the presence of God uh, there begins to be a commanded blessing released I'm going to preach this thing this morning uh, and then every devil in hell uh, begins to be driven back uh, I come to tell you uh, I'm not asking you to like me for me uh, but I'm asking you to get connected with me for your family, uh, for your children, uh, for your community, uh, for your nation. Uh, can I tell you, if we lock arms, uh, we will be victorious. Joshua, gotta learn it, man. You gotta learn it. Why? Because there's a promise that this people's getting ready to possess. Oh, that'll preach by itself right there. I'm having too much fun and you're getting bored. Listen, Hear me this morning. Psalms 91. Notice, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise of the pestilent. Uh, he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. Uh, his truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Uh, thou shalt not be afraid uh, for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, uh, nor for the pestilent that walketh in the darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at new day. A thousand shall fall at thy side uh, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. What's he saying? When you get into a place where the commanded blessing is, then you're in the place. You're in the secret place. You're in the shadow of the Almighty. And when you're there, there is nothing that can come near you. That means this. If darkness isn't there, it means light is present. If light is present, that means he's present. If he's present, that means there's joy unspeakable and full of 
glory. Uh, that means there's healing virtue that's flowing. Uh, that means there's miracle working power in the midst. Uh, that means uh, that signs and wonders once again begins to follow them that believe. Uh, can I tell you, uh, you and I got to lock arms this morning uh, because uh, there is a move of God that is coming. Notice with me, Joshua, you got to learn intercession. Joshua, you got to learn the sense and the mystery of communion because there's a promise over there. What was that promise? The land of Canaan, the land of flowing with milk and honey. They was going to live in houses that they did not build, going to eat of things that they had not planted. There was something that was already prepared for them. But you can't get there. Unless, first of all, you understand the power of intercession and you understand the value of a locked arm. Please hear me. Moses learned this in a rebuke by his father-in-law. One of the most amazing things in Scripture, to my understanding, as this team come to a place of togetherness in such a manner that we have no biblical record of Joshua ever getting hung up on power. He never tried to hoard status. You'll never read of it in Scripture. If you read it and find it, please let me know because I couldn't find it. He never stood and beat his chest and said, I've got this thing figured out. I have to do it. It's got to be my way. He never, he never did that because he understood that there was power in togetherness. I'm hurrying. The divine wisdom penned later by King Solomon is something that cannot be ignored in this message, and then I'm going to close. I didn't say when I was going to close. I said I'll close. Ecclesiastics chapter 4, verse number 9 through verse number 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they can have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a three-four cord is not quickly broken. Joshua's training included the graphic display of the advantages that Solomon wrote about. When you start talking about togetherness. I want to give you four things real quickly. Then I'm going to get out of your way. The first thing I want to say to you is this this morning. Please hear this preacher. We can accomplish more so the rewards are much greater when we lock arms. We can accomplish more so the rewards are greater. Notice Ecclesiastes 4, 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're good, but you're better if you have me. 
Please hear me. That's not been prideful. That's been biblical. Hear me. You're good. I'm glad that you can lay hands on the sick. I'm glad you can intercede. I'm, I'm glad you can sing and dance and shout. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you can... I'm glad you can feed the hunger and clothe the naked, but men, you do that together, we can do more. Hear me. The second thing is this. When we come to a place of togetherness, we can assist and rescue one another. So that means we can go further. How many's ever needed assistance? I mean, you just get tired or something just gets too heavy. Keaton needed some assistance Friday night. He had a baby grand piano. I'd like to see him move that thing by himself. Somebody had to rescue him so he could stay in good standings with his wife. He needed assistance and rescue. But how did he do that? By some men locking arms together. And we put all of our strength to the same thing at the same time. And that which is impossible for one became doable by many. When you look at the things going on in our world today, as a man of God, a woman of God, it's natural for us to say, oh my Lord, this is impossible. This is overwhelming. But if you're with me, and you're with me, I'm with you, and we're with them, and we're with them, it doesn't look so impossible any longer. So we can assist and rescue one another, and then we're able to go further. And then thirdly, we can comfort one another. Which means then the encouragement becomes greater. Anybody ever just needed comfort? Ever just need that encouragement? That's one of the things I'm going to miss most about my papa. My Richie was every Sunday to be at his place. He'd walk in, he'd say this, I heard you preach this morning. I didn't care about that part. But I liked the next part. You did good. See, it's not about the attaboys, but sometimes you just need encouragement. Because sometimes this thing gets heavy. You hear me? Sometimes you just need comfort and strength to be reignited. That's why you should never walk by one of these children, one of these young people without not giving them a word of encouragement. Say, I'm proud of you for being in the house of the Lord today. Make a declaration over their life. You're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty woman of God. Because you don't know what kind of week they've had. You don't know what kind of hell they had to go through. Yeah, they got the smile on. They got their Sunday best on. But you don't, you don't know how bad they was fought and tormented in their bedroom last night, but yet they're in the house of God this morning. 
And maybe they just said this. If somebody would just touch my shoulder today, it'll let me know that it's going to be all right. I can make it. That's why we have to be sensitive. Have to lock arms. And then fourthly, we can defend one another. So our strength is greater. Somebody was telling me a story recently, and I don't think the story is accurate. Part of it might be accurate, but I don't think I was involved. Many, many years ago before Jesus lived in our hearts. We knew him, but he just didn't live with us. But somebody was picking on one of my nephews. And somebody got a little spooked and they said they called. And I won't name them because they're in this building today. I won't embarrass them. But they said the other one called and said, man, there's getting ready to be a fight. And they said, the next thing you know, all of a sudden, everybody and their brother showed up and I was one of them. And they said, we showed up. We was going to take care of business. I don't remember that. I don't know if I choose not to remember it or if I don't really remember it. But they're trying to accuse me that I showed up with my dog and my, my weapon of choice of that day. And. We was going to take care of business along with a bunch of others. They said, you come from one way, another one come from the other way, another came the other way. And they said, all of a sudden, nobody wanted to fight anymore. Well, I wouldn't want to fight either if I seen all that. But I don't remember that. But I say, let's say this, that there is, there's a sense of, can I just be who I am? I just can't help it. It just is, don't you mess with my family. It's what I love about old sister house. She'd always tell me, even when I first started pastoring, one of her sons owned an established downtown, and she said, now, Pastor Ronnie, if you see me coming out of there, you know I wasn't doing anything in there, but there ain't nobody. And they take that little finger, there ain't nobody going to mess with my boy. Because there's, there's something about we can defend one another. Why do we defend one another? It's because we love one another. Listen, I'm going to stand and I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for your family. I'm going to fight for your children and your children's children because we're in this together. Not only must we learn the power of a bowed knee, but we must realize the value of togetherness. And you hear this preacher this morning. Please hear me and hear me well. Do not allow men to divide you from your brothers and sisters of the faith. I don't care what umbrella they position themselves under. If you are a man or a woman of God that has asked Jesus into your heart and you have put on Christ, old things are passed away and all things are new in your life and you're walking this thing out to the best of your ability with the help of God every day, 
You can call yourself Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian. I don't care. That's not what it's about. But it's about understanding that you and I are men and women of the kingdom of God. And we must come to a place of togetherness. This morning. I want to ask you this question in closing. How many people are you locked arms with this morning? Are you somebody that's just a lone ranger trying to make it through? It's not God's plan, my friend. It means that you and I today need to understand just how important it is to lock arms together. If you're going to lead, if you and I are going to lead, no matter what your age is, no matter what your capacity is, if you and I are going to truly lead, we're going to have to learn the power of intercession as well as the value of locked arms. Sometimes that means we have to pause and self-examine and ask ourselves the question, what is so important that's keeping me from locking arms with men and women in this hour? Because if you haven't noticed, the world's a mess. Darkness is moving and it's advancing. But we can stop it on its heels if we lock arms together in faith believing. Everybody, it's Pastor Jay here. I just want to thank you for watching. I hope that this message challenged and changed your life with the power of the Holy Ghost. We ask that you continue following us and watching us weekly. And if you want to follow us on any social media platform, you'll find the link to all those platforms in the description below. We love you. So does God. Have a great day.